then once you're there, please feel free to stand up so that I know that you're ready to read God's word and we respect his authority, which is in the word. So as we start the sermon today, we're reading from John chapter 15, 1 through 6. I am the true vine. And it is up on the board for you to see. As we read this, we read, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Thank you. You may be seated. So the Bible, and especially the teachings of Jesus, have many an analogies and stories to help describe God's relationship that he has with us. And to me, that really helps me. I love the parables, I love the stories that Jesus taught, because I, I've always said I'm not that much of an intellectual man, and sometimes these big words, they can confuse me. And that's why you may notice if I ever use big words in my sermons, I try to explain them to you, because I think it might have taken me a few times really understand it myself. But let me give you an example of some of the, some of the ways that God helps us to understand who he is, some of his characteristics, with analogies with comparisons. So for one, God is described as the Father. We are his children. You can see that in John 1, 12, Romans 8, 16 to 17, and verse 21, and many more. All throughout the Bible, we see God describe himself as the Father, and we are his children. We're also described as members of his household. God is also described as the King, and we are his subjects. In Matthew 25, 34, God is described as the creator, and we are his creatures. In Psalm 24, 1, 95, 6, 100, verse 3, and more. Again, there's many more verses we could go to. I'm just giving a few here. God is also described as the shepherd, and we are his sheep. God is the builder, and we are the building. God is the master, and we are the servants. Christ is our husband, and we are his bride, and God is the head, and we are the body. Now, that's just a few examples of analogies in the Bible, comparisons, or stories which help us to understand who God is in comparison to who we are. There's many different ways we can look. In fact, there's many books out there on the names of God, and there's hundreds of names of God in the Bible, and each one is a specific name to give us a specific picture of who he is and why or what he, what he does for us and for his kingdom and for himself. But here in chapter 15, we have a new analogy, a different analogy. We see the believer's vital relationship with Jesus is described in an analogy of a vine and its branches. In this passage, Jesus is just beginning to help his believers, his disciples, 
to be prepared for his departure, his upcoming death, resurrection, and ascension. And as he does this, he looks around and gives us this great illustration of the vine and how he is the true vine. He is the only way to have life and to grow and to bear fruit. You see, true disciples of Jesus have a permanent life-giving, fruit-producing union with Jesus Christ, and it becomes part of the very nature of who they are. If you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ, well, then you have a permanent life-giving, fruit-producing union with Jesus. Because there's no other way to really be a true disciple of his. There's no other way to truly have life. And there's no other way to bear fruit. Because there's no way to bear fruit and be a healthy branch if you're not connected to the vine, if you're not connected to the trunk. It's a little hard for some of us to, to understand this illustration of the vine. Because we don't grow many grapes around here. We don't have many vines. Uh, we generally have trees and corn stalks. I, I should use that illustration, but I didn't. True disciples of Jesus have a permanent life-giving, fruit-producing union with Jesus Christ. Now, why did Jesus give this illustration? Why did he talk about this story? I think that as you look to the scripture, what we see is they needed it. As we look to chapter 14 at the very end, we see that they were in the upper room and they were beginning to depart from the upper room. They had found themselves in a very intense situation as Judas had just betrayed Jesus. Now the disciples of Christ are there with him and probably thinking, what is going to happen? Judas has betrayed you. What are you going to do? And then Jesus explains to them all, and he's never hidden this fact from them, but he tells them that he'll be leaving them soon. And he begins to prepare them for him, his departure. But he also explains to them that his work would continue through them. He, he's not really leaving. He would, they would have a helper within them. Jesus and this, the disciples are about to leave for Gethsemane, for the garden. Now, some people believe in my research, that they have already left for Gethsemane. Others believe that he's still in the upper room. Either way, it doesn't really matter, but basically what we see is before Jesus departs, he decides to give them this important lesson on what it means to remain in him. And he uses this common sight of a vine. Now, a vine was very common in this day. And from what I've researched, I've never been over there, but the vine is still very common over there. You may walk through the town, walk through the countryside, and see vineyards. You may walk through the town and see vines growing around window frames, around on top window sills, around door frames. You may see it growing on terraces or on sides of buildings. You may see grapevines just growing right in the middle of town as they gather the grapes, as they sell them, as they eat them. Why well, I tell you this, though, is for you to understand where this analogy might have come from. I don't, under, I don't have to explain the why, because we'll get to that. The scripture itself explains the why. But Jesus may have just been walking around with his disciples on the way to Gethsemane, or he might have still been teaching them in the upper room, and he might have just noticed the vine growing around the temple or around the doorway and thought, as you see that vine, you need to remember, I am the true vine. So Jesus was the master teacher, and he was able to use anything that he would see around him to be able to describe who he is and who we should be. But we also see that it wasn't just a spur-of-the-moment thing, because we see that the 
Speaking of the vine had great significance. In the Old Testament, Israel was referred to as the vine. And God is the vine dresser or the gardener. The problem is that Israel as the vine resulted in a vine which was always dying away or decaying. It was never fully producing the fruit that it could produce. And we're going to start with verse 1. We'll get more into that later. But I do want to say as we go to verse 1 that this sermon could nowhere near fully explain everything that you could look into this scripture. So I encourage you as always, dive into scripture on your own. Don't just take what I say as truth. Take God's word for truth. Do your own study. Also, don't think just because Patrick preached on it, there's nothing else to be learned. Because I'm sure many of you will have more to add to my sermon after I walk down off this pulpit. And you tell me, guess what I heard once? Here's another way that Jesus is the true vine. And I love hearing these stories of what you've learned through your time. But we have limited time. So let's go to verse 1. In verse 1, we read this. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. This statement is one of the seven great I am statements of Jesus. In fact, this is the final statement of Jesus as a great I am. But what's interesting to note is not just the statement as a whole... Excuse me. But what we know is two words. We notice the and true. I think it's very important to notice these words as we go forward. And as you look to the great I am statements of Jesus that we see in the book of John, and I wrote them up here for you to see, we see I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Each one of these statements uses that same word, the. I think it's important to recognize um, that that changes the whole meaning of the entire statement. Just think if you were to read that and, you, and it said, I am a way to life, truth. I am a bread of life. I am a light of the world. I am a gate. But that's not what it says. He says, I am the vine. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world, the gate, the good shepherd. And specifically today we focus on I am the true vine. This means there is no one like him. He is the only one. He is unique. He is special. He is important. He is the one and only, the true vine. Now last week we spoke on when you're reading God's scripture... And you come to certain words, they should kind of grab your attention. As you read, you should think, oh, wait a second, this is important. And as we read this, we should also stop and recognize this is something important. He's not saying he's a way, a vine. He is the vine. And not just that, he is the true vine. Again, another word to notice. And I found one great illustration to help us realize just how important this is. This comes from a commentator author, Matt Carter, and he explained it like this. Imagine a rich man dies and leaves all of his fortune to his heir. News leaks out there having trouble identifying who the rightful heir is. Hundreds come forward claiming to be the heir. The day comes for the judge to decide who will receive the inheritance, the fortune. Before he makes his final judgment, a solitary figure walks in the courtroom and says, I am the true Air. You see, the word true means something. It means there is also false heirs. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Jesus Christ is the true vine. But by stating this, he also recognizes there are many false vines as well. We need to recognize this and look to Jesus as the true vine. But we also look to what is a false vine. A vine which does not produce fruit, does not produce life. Man-made substitutions to God such as religion, philosophies that have no life in them can be likened to false vine. All the idols that we, that we serve, that we worship, I'll let you describe those on your own, what those are. But many of these things are false vines. As we look to them, they don't help us to produce fruit. They don't help to keep us alive. <coughs> they don't help to keep us from withering away. Multiple times in the Old Testament, Israel is described as God's vine. And in Isaiah 5, we read a story of a vineyard which is planted with love, tended to with care. And with all the care he gave to his vineyard, it still ends up growing not good grapes, but it grew wild, inedible grapes. Comparing this to Israel now, we see the reason why the grapes were bad. The, first, the source for two, true, true nutrients was not there. You see, as long as we're serving and connected to all these false vines, we're never going to flourish as we could. Even back then, with Israel being described as the vine, they could flourish, but they could not flourish the same as having a rightful connection with the true vine, which is Jesus Christ, and with having a proper connection, a right connection with God, the Father, who prunes us. The nation of Israel was not always living with God as they should, and without a proper connection to the vine, the branch will either not produce, or it will wither away, or the fruit will have a bad taste. It can never flourish the same as if it was fully connected. Jesus is the true vine which connects us with God. And in this illustration of the vine and the branches, Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. The disciples of his are the branches. And branches cannot live apart from the vine. Now here's another point for you. Too many people try to live as God's, as the vine, instead of living with God, in relation to God as the branches. And this leads, this leads, leads to emptiness. People think they don't need God. People think they don't need the vines because they are good enough on their own. We are our own gods. I've heard that many times. Maybe you have. Maybe it's been in books. Maybe it's been in movies. Maybe it's been just somebody in your life. You've talked about God and they've said, I don't need God. I can do it all on my own. But what we end up seeing is they live a life filled with emptiness and without hope. Because only Jesus, only the true vine, can really connect us to the Father and to life and to produce fruit. We cannot live, grow, and bear fruit apart from the true vine. This is the only way to be pruned and cared for by the gardener who is the Father. So as we move to verse 2, I want us to see that there are actually two different types of disciples. There's two different types of branches. And we read verse 2, which says this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, I did a bit of research on what it means to prune a vine, because I'm not a farmer, I'm not a tree person, I'm not a vine person. The greatest thing I can tell you is I used to grow some rose bushes in Ohio. I've, I'm told they don't grow as well up here. 
something about the negative 35 degree temperature. But if you have a bunch of roses in your yard and they grow great, talk to my wife because she loved her rose bushes. But here's what, it, here's what it told us about pruning. The usual practice in viticulture, which I don't know if I said that right, <laughs> the care of vines is for the branches to be pruned back each year in order to cleanse them. A vine produces certain shoots called sucker shoots, which start to grow where a branch joins the stem. It allow, if allowed to continue to grow, they would dissipate the life of the vine through so many branches that the vine would produce little or no fruit and would produce mainly leaves instead. Every vine dresser knows it is important to prune away these little shoots to ensure plentiful fruit. Since the shoots grow right where the branch joins the stem, creating a tight cluster where dirt, leaves, and other debris collect, the pruning is basically a cleansing process. Now, here's the best way I can describe this to be a little simple, simpler for you. Again, that's a little over my head. I'm not a pruner. I'm not a vine guy, not a tree guy. I could not grow a field of corn. But what I have grown before are pumpkins. And the first year we grew pumpkins, we, we barely got anything. They're just really little tiny pumpkins. And what we ended up finding out is people who grow the massive big pumpkins, and maybe you guys will say I'm wrong in this statement later because maybe you have more experience than me, but they actually go out in the fields when they're growing pumpkins and they'll pluck a bunch of the flowers to keep them from growing. Because if the, if the vine is trying to pr provide nutrients to 100 flowers trying to bloom into a pumpkin, it can't provide enough nutrients for all of them to grow large. <coughs> Excuse me. But by plucking, by pruning those certain ones back, it allows all of the rest of them to grow strong. The Father prunes us. He prunes us to help us to grow strong. He knows exactly what we need. And here's what I wrote down for you if you're taking notes. The Father's work in our lives is to find a branch that is beginning to bear fruit, beginning to produce the likeness of Christ, and then to cut it back. He trims off the troublesome shoots so that we may bear more fruit. I'll leave that up there for you for a moment to think about or to write down. But here in verse 2, we see a branch which bears fruit and a branch which does not bear fruit. This is the two types of branches. This is the two types of disciples. We have a living disciple and a dead one, a dead disciple. A dead disciple is not a true disciple. A true disciple should have evidence for their faith and should have fruit. They should be connected to the vine in a way which they're fully living and flourishing. They may be living near Jesus, a dead disciple, but they're not truly living with Jesus and according to his ways. They don't really recognize that full relationship that they can have. They're not committed to him and his will. And Jesus here says that the false disciples will be cut away eventually to be tossed. They will not continue to be cared for, the true disciple is. There's a difference between a person living with Christ versus away from Christ or against Christ. And I think you can see that in our various testimonies. Our stories to our, to our faith, there's always a before Christ, there's a story of salvation, and then there's a story of after Christ. How our life has been changed for the better after we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. After we followed after him, there's a life change. There will be evidence for our faith. There will be evidence for this change.
But if your life has no life change, no fruit, no evidence of your faith in Jesus, then you may not actually belong to him at all. <coughs> you may be an admirer, but you're not truly a follower. You may be a fan, but you're not truly a follower. Next, what we see is verse 3. Already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. The word is like a mirror. The word of God reveals our problems in our life. I was joking with somebody this morning who's been inviting me over to his house to work out that I remember about his gym every time I look in the mirror. Because I see my belly and I see my, what I need to work on, right? The word of God is like a mirror. The word of God reveals our problems. But the word of God is also like a knife. The word of God cuts to the heart. But this isn't a bad thing, it's a good thing. Again, let me read that verse to you. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. As the word acts like a mirror and acts like a knife, it is a good thing because it cleans us, it cleanses us. It helps, us to, prune, it helps to prune us in order to become better people who are serving God who are glorifying him, who are loving him, who are loving others as we love ourselves. God the Father, as he prunes us, he cuts away what is bad or unhealthy. He cuts away what is holding you back from growth. And as we consider this statement further, I think it's important to look to our own lives and realize that this may not always be pleasant to you in the moment. Because maybe God's going to ask you to leave certain things behind in the past. Maybe this is hobbies. Maybe this is interest. Maybe this is even people who God knows is holding you back, who God knows these people, these hobbies, the interest, they keep getting in the way for the plan that God has for you. Sometimes they seem good, and they are, but it's holding you away from the better. It's also important to realize that this is not a bad thing. It's not punishment, but it's for, for the better. So I think of a father. A father disciplines his child when he sees that they're doing bad things. And it's not because he doesn't love them. It's not because he wants to keep them from the good life. It's exactly the opposite. It's because he loves them. It's because he wants what is best for them. You may also think of a mentor or a teacher. As I read this, and I thought through, I was talking with somebody yesterday about Halloween and how their whole family dressed up last year as Star Wars characters. So I thought about a Jedi knight. And as a Jedi, too, as a father, as a mentor, as a teacher, you discipline people. You teach them. You show them their wrong ways, and you tell them why they must change. And it's not a bad thing to always change. Change can be a good thing. Again, it may not be pleasant in the time. It may be awkward. It may be hard. But it helps you to grow, and it helps you become more like Jesus. And that's ultimately what God wants. God the Father is pruning us to look more like his son. It is the way to a happy life, to eternal life, a life which bears fruit. But more importantly, it's the way to a life which bears glorifying fruit to the Father. So maybe you're fighting God right now. Maybe you know that God's been trying to change you. Maybe you know that God's trying to prune you. And every time he comes near his, his, with his snippers, he kinda, you kind of grow the opposite direction. You try and jump away. Maybe it's trying to cut something out of your life. And on the opposite, maybe you're holding on to something. Maybe it's something you shouldn't be holding on to, and you know it. 
but you just think that it's difficult for you to live without it. You've, it's your comfort zone. It's what you've become used to. It's, it's, your, it's your baby blanket, per se. You don't want to give it up. God is trying to improve your life. He's trying to help you to flourish. He's trying to prune you so that you can grow into the man, the woman, the person that he's created you to be. So I tell you this, give it up. Give it up. Give it to God. Have faith that God's way is the only way. God's way is the right way, the good way, a way to life that will flourish. As we saw in one of the seven great I am statements, he is the, God, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let me move on to verses 4 to 6. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. I love this section of this illustration, of this analogy, because it's, it's very in-your-face, it's very blunt, and it's very simple. In fact, I'm going to just focus on this very quickly. I'm, that's why I put the entire rest of this four to six in one, one part for us to attack, one part for us to summarize. I feel they're very closely related anyways. It all has to do with one statement, abide in me. The word abide can often be something which may confuse us because we think of this being an emotional type thing and not a physical or spiritual thing. Or you think of it being one or the other and not all three. But in reality, it is all three. Abide in me, we should be abiding in him in a physical sense, in a spiritual sense, and an emotional or mental sense as well. It's all three things, but right now we are focusing on the physical as well as we talk about a physical vine and its branches. We're reminded here that he is the vine, we are the branches, and I feel that he does it quite bluntly. I am the vine, you are the branches, period. We need to remember, we need to have a rightful respect for who we are. We are not the vine. We are the branches. We cannot live without him. Again, he's very, very blunt in stating these things. Because we know if you go home right now, if you go right outside and you break a branch off that tree and throw it aside, it's going to wither away and die. It cannot survive away from the source of its life. And our source of life is Jesus Christ. We can't continue to live without him. We can't continue to try and do things all on our own. As we live, we live a life as disciples connected to the vine. There is no other way. And just as the vine and the branches must work together, we must work together with Jesus. He says, abide in me and I in you. Notice that second part, and I in you. That is very important to see because that's a promise to us. If we abide in him, if we give him his, our lives, we have this promise that, he will not forsake us, that he will be with us, he will be in us. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. We also have this promise that not only will Jesus, will God abide in us when we abide in him, but we will be fruitful. And as we're fruitful, we multiply. 
If we choose to live as a follower of Christ and commit our very lives to him through the profession of Christ as our Lord and Savior over us, then he does the same for us. He uses his life to not just cover us with his love, but to connect us to the Father, connect us to the gardener, connect us to the, the, the true God who is pruning us for his ways, for his plan, and to live a life producing fruit by the evidence of our faith. Here's the thing. We're starting to wrap up here. Maybe it doesn't sound like it because my voice has been going out a little bit today as I'm trying to get through all this congestion, but I want, I want you to hear this. There will come a day when the end will be here. There will come a day when the end will be here, when Jesus will return and gather us up, his true believers, his true followers. There will also be a day when God delivers those who do not follow him, who do not believe as they should, and they will perish. They will go to their eternal destination in hell. There will come a day. So as I come to the end, I've got a few points for you, what some would call the takeaways. And here's number one. Do you know that you have eternal life? Are you connected to the true vine, to Jesus? Because a branch is only alive if the sap is flowing through it. That's the source of life, guys. The source of life is having that sap flowing through it. The moment that the sap begins to not reach all the parts of the branch, parts of the branch begin to dry up, wither away, and die. And the same is true to a believer, a follower of Jesus. When we're following Jesus, we should be fully connected to him. Because if we're not fully connected to him, fully living for him, then we, we're dying. We're slowly dying. We're slowly withering away, or at the very least, we're not truly flourishing as we should for all people to see. So I urge you, give him your life today. Number two, and I pushed the wrong button. If you could go to number two at the end for me. Number two is this. Are you producing fruit? How are you living your life? Can people see the evidence of your faith? Live a fruit-producing life, a life connected to the vine. A life with Jesus. People who claim to, to be quit Christians but do not really live for him and produce fruit, not having evidence of their faith, will be cut off, thrown away, and thrown into the fire. This warning is meant to be taken very seriously. And then number four, the last one here. Is there a clear, unmistakable evidence that the living God resides in you? You see, here's the thing. God does not hide inside you. Yes, it says, we, we like to say God is hidden in my heart. And his word is hidden in my heart that, that I won't forget thy commandments. But it's not meant to be hidden in a way that nobody else can see him. God does not hide inside you. He shows himself through you. His ways are hidden in our heart so that nobody can take them. But he still desires for us to be seen. He still desires for us to grow fruit so that we can multiply that fruit. So that all can see the evidence for our faith and how we believe in him. We trust him with our life. So again, I ask you, I'm going to put number three up there for you. Just in case you missed it. But do you know that you have eternal life? Are you connected to the true vine, which is Jesus? Number two, are you resisting his pruning or only looking for it, asking for it, accepting it? 
You see, he always promises to never leave us and to sustain us. Number three, are you producing fruit? Are you living for him? How are you living? Live a fruit-producing life, a life connected to the vine, a life with Jesus. And number four, is there a clear, unmistakable evidence that the living God resides in you? That should be convicting to you. Maybe as you leave today, you just think about that. Is there a clear, unmistakable evidence that the living God resides in you? When people look at you and look at your life, can they see that you are different? Can they see that you are a branch connected to the true vine to Jesus and you're producing fruit for all to be able to pick up and eat part of and to connect themselves as well? You know, in my research, I also saw that there's a way, I forget what they called it, but there's a way to cut part of a branch off of one tree and you can pair it up with another tree. And that's how they've made trees that can grow lemons and oranges off the same tree and so on, is they, they partner these together. I think the same is true for our life with Christ. If we're truly providing the fruit that we have, people see that fruit and they want part of it, and then they can partner themselves up to that vine, which is Jesus. And before you know it, the vine isn't just us as the branches. The vine is all of us, the church. All of Christ's believers are connected to this vine together. And we're all different in many ways. But we're all connected to the one true source of life. And because of that, we all produce fruit in different ways. Fruit which is for the world to see. Let us pray. Please bow your heads as the worship band comes up to close us in song. Lord God, we pray this morning. We thank you for this analogy, this illustration of the vine. And how you are the true vine. There are many false vines out there, Lord. And may we focus on the true vine. As you, as you tell us this, we realize there are many false things in life. And we, we look to our lives. What are we serving? What are we worshiping? What are we giving our time to which is not you? What are we allowing to control our lives which are, are not you? Lord, may we recognize that we need the vine to really have life and to sustain through this life, to be able to truly flourish and truly have fruit, we need you. Lord, help us today to just speak to